Behind this door is another dimension. Welcome to Enter the Flow Zone podcast. This is the only podcast that teaches people the secrets of peak performance, positive psychology, and mindset mastery to help unlock your flow state. Here's your host, certified flow coach and international happiness consultant, Sumed Chatterjee. Welcome back to another episode of Enter the Flow Zone podcast. How are you guys doing? I'm your host, Sumed Chatterjee from the Flow Zone Academy. I help people feel better and perform better. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. As always, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy this episode. And check out Theatroplasticity Method. That's my book. It's using dramatic strategies to change your life. As always, we have an incredible guest with us. This time we have Danny. Kinas, and he is an NLP master, a Reiki healer, a personal trainer, and a breathwork facilitator, and he's the founder of Conscious Collective Media. Welcome, brother. Thank you so much, Samad. Glad to be here. Very grateful. Awesome, man. So what begun this journey for you? Give people a little bit of a backstory. So like, I think as always, there is a long story and a short story, but uh, I'll get to maybe kind of the point. Um, I actually grew up in the Midwest in the United States. And uh, back in the Midwest, um, I wouldn't say things are as progressive as they are in different in certain areas of the United States. However, um, I got really into personal training. I think that's really what took off my flow state journey. Um, was getting really in tune and tapped into the physical body and helping others to be able to do so. So I did that for several several years. And eventually I uh, shipped it out west to Southern California. And from there, um, kind of transitioned from personal training into doing a lot of fitness business um, in the fitness industry, doing a lot of um, business consulting, uh, marketing, selling, teaching uh, fitness businesses how to run and sell and market their businesses to the highest degree and level. And in doing so, um, really got me in tune with really helping people break their limiting beliefs behind what is possible within their business, what is possible within their bodies. Um, and I really developed a knack for being able to communicate and relate and help others you know, break through those limiting beliefs. And I felt um, as working with a lot of fitness businesses, you're working with type A male personalities that run gyms all the time. So I knew if I could break through that, that stereotype, that demographic, I might have something here. Um, and I just felt really called to do so. Um, so that really led, in, um, led into a lot of different modalities. And uh, I got really into yoga for a while. And uh, I was into yoga and that kind of led me into learning more about um, you know, having a mind-body connection and understanding that mind-body connection and then understanding how those play off each other and how important it is to be able to be at your highest potential within your physical body, your mind, your soul, your spirit. And, you know, and when you're at those highest levels and performing at those highest levels, um, you're able to reach your ultimate potential. I love it, man. Yeah. I've, I've similarly been able to really understand that integration is so important, right? So Mm -hmm to be able to have different aspects of your life play like an orchestra and not this kind of seesaw where you're exactly things. Right. And yeah, that that's a huge part of the flow is just being able to really weave together all of our strengths and bring exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I would say also that 
one of the, the biggest challenges I see people have is that they're very, uh, they're very tapped in or well in tune and aligned with maybe one aspect like their physical body, um, or they're really tapped into their spirit or they're really tapped into, you know, their mind, the mental, um, but they might be lacking in other areas. And uh, I think that is one of the biggest things that kind of holds people back from really being able to scale even farther. Um, in a lot of different ways. So I think, yeah, the integration phase, you know, integrating and inter intertwining all these different practices, you know, from the physical body to the mental, to the spirit, that's where, you know, the real power and the potency comes from um, within your life. Totally, man. And yeah, I see that a lot. Like I see a lot of spiritual people not having a good relationship with money, you know, I, I see mm. a lot in this space and it's, it's really difficult and, actually heartbreaking to see that because they have so much, mm -hmm. like they have that glow, you know, they have that potential to be able to actually sure. change the world, right? These, these incredible light workers per se. So exactly. yeah, um, what you're doing is incredible work, brother. Like that's, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I'm aware of a lot of that too. And we can get into some more stuff later as far as the internal and external worlds. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like when you work on your internal world so much and you're very proficient within your internal world, as a lot of spiritual workers are, um, they kind of leave the external um, up for grabs or just kind of it's kind of out there just kind of existing. And um, it's a really tough balance because I think obviously the internal world is always way more important than the external world. So you have control of the internal versus the external um, and there's more presence within the internal than the external. However, like we are in the three-dimensional world, you know, and in the three-dimensional world, you know, we are incarnated as humans um, for a reason. And I believe that reason is um, to have a purpose and meaning within a balance of having emotionality, having humanity, but also being the divine God that is outside of us and the God that is within us, you know, because we are all born divine. However, we are on the three-dimensional plane for a reason. So um, it's really being able to find that balance um, at the end of the day. Kind of going back to my story a little bit, I uh, really got transitioned into um, neuro-linguistic programming. Um, for anyone that doesn't really know what that is, sometimes it's called um, NLP by short. But essentially, long and short, it's learning how everyone's subconscious mind works specifically. And everyone's subconscious mind works differently based on their past conditioning, based on their past experiences, the most positive experiences, um, the most traumatic experiences. But over time as a child, you've been conditioned um, based on different behaviors, experiences, family, environment, a lot of different things that shape your behavior, shape your personality, shape who you are, shape your fear, shape your joys, shape literally everything to its seat. And uh, your, your subconscious brain works in patterns. So what your brain likes to do, your subconscious brain likes to create patterns behind how they, the brain will predict things to happen. And when the things are outside of that pattern, the, the brain will either you know, cause a red flag, um, which will either you know, reflect an emotion or a feeling or um, different, um, different physical uh, responses as well. And uh, sometimes these uh, subconscious patterns are really good for us, right? Protecting us and allowing us to be able to go throughout our day without a lot of, you know, really draining focus. But at the same time, a lot of these patterns have um, shaped us and um, programmed us in ways to have behaviors that aren't beneficial to us. And then one of the hardest things to do is to break that programming. So really the baseline of NLP 
is how do we reprogram? How do we rewire the subconscious brain to work the way that we want it to, right? Um, because the subconscious brain, um, I think it's a, there's been a, I think it was just a, a quote from the past. I don't know who exactly said it, but um, the mind is a great servant, but a terrible master. So at the end of the day, you want the brain and the subconscious brain to work for you, you know, not work you, right, and run your, run your life. And when we can really understand the patterns and we can understand each person's specific patterns of understanding why they do they, what they do or why the behavior patterns and why they're conditioned the way they are, then we can really understand how we use those patterns to reprogram and recreate new behavior that is beneficial and it can help move you forward within your life. You know, breaking phobias, um, breaking, you know, all different types of addictions, PTSDs, um, and really uh, scale from there. Yeah, amazing, brother. I was going to ask you about yeah NLP. I think it's a very, very powerful tool. Um, I've seen it work for myself. I've hired a few NLP practitioners, and I've I've looked into some of that work. And I, I firmly believe, man, our words create our worlds. You know, our language. You know, if we can change the subconscious mind in some way, it's going to change our external reality for sure. Like I've seen it specifically like i've used binaural beats a lot of my life like that's really what helped me um mm, yeah brainwave entrainment and stuff like that and yeah that's been so helpful in being able to deal with you know anxiety and different issues that i was going through at that time and so anybody who does any kind of subconscious work i think that's the meat and potatoes of this inner work journey right it's like what people need 100 yeah. percent, and that's the and I'll kind of tap into a little bit more about the binaural beats things, because I think understanding your brain waves is probably one of the most beneficial things for understanding healing and understanding how to get yourself into the flow states that you really want to get into. Um, yeah, the subconscious brain is really in the driver's seat most of the time throughout the day. It's only when we choose to actively and consciously step into the driver's seat um, when we have most of the control. And that's not to say that we're out of control. We're in control as much as we want to be in control. But it's very, uh, it's very exhausting to constantly want to be in control of every single little moment. So our brain, you know, works on its own to create congruencies, to create patterns like I talked about to help ease that. So there's predictability within the day, which is beneficial. However, those same patterns can also cause us anxiety, fears, worries, stress, all those things. So it's like, Again, it's this balance of how do we use the subconscious brain as a servant, not a master? How do we use it as a tool, not as something that is running our life? Um, but getting into some of the binaural beats stuff here, Samad, uh, I actually have used some uh, binaural beats for a really long time as well. And uh, I actually studied uh, uh, one of my favorite teachers, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who you're probably familiar with. And uh, one of the biggest teachings and the things I learned from him is understanding the, the different types of brain waves that there are and the frequencies that a brain puts out and whatever, depending on what type of frequency there is out, um, you'll either have the subconscious brain being more active or you'll have the conscious brain being more active. So within the, the brain, we have a few different levels of brain frequencies. Um, our most active levels are our beta wave um, states. And those frequencies have like three different levels. There's about three different levels of beta wave brain states and frequencies. And those are our most active. So you could say the highest active would be almost an example when you're driving a car, you know, you're driving down a car, 
you're, you know, you're doing multiple things at once. Your attention span is directly on the road. You know, you're flying down maybe 70, 80 miles an hour. You're paying attention to a thousand different things at once, right? Steering wheel, traffic, you know, a lot of different things. So you're highly active and aware and conscious. And then you have some other layers of beta underneath that are also active states like studying and things like that. Um, but then we start transitioning down into alpha and then theta and then delta. So when you're looking at alpha and theta, these are the brainwave states that are a little bit of a mix between conscious and subconscious. So you almost could say these are the states that you're in when you just wake up for the first like 30, 40, you know, maybe to an hour. Um, and then those states that you are in a very, very relaxed, meditative, maybe um, really tired state as well too. And uh, a lot of the, actually the baseline of NLP, oh, excuse me, a lot of the baseline of hypnosis comes from a lot of neuro-linguistic programming practices. So it's understanding how can you induce someone into a different, a, a specific type of brainwave frequency to allow their subconscious to be programmed and more vulnerable and open to new information and new behavior patterns. Um, but kind of circling back around, when we're in these theta and alpha wave states, these are actually our best states to be programmed into um, outside of delta, which can just, is like almost when you're being programmed through Delta um, in an active induced way, that's typically through hypnosis. Delta is our most deep sleep state. That's typically when you're in deep sleep. But for what we can do, what can the average person do to use your brainwave states for your benefit? Well, I would say that you're in your alpha and theta wave states or the states you're in the meditative states, you're half awake, half asleep states. So you're in a kind of a combination between being conscious, but also unconscious. The subconscious mind is kind of running on its own. And that is your most vulnerable state. And the beautiful part about that is that you can program yourself on a daily basis um, with information and behaviors and things that are going to be benefiting you when you're in those states. So whether that's right when you wake up, and I, that's why I believe that morning routines are so important, um, is because they're your most vulnerable states, your most powerful states, the states that really will set the tone for your whole entire day and allow you to program yourself and program your day for it to be the way exactly you want it to be. Um, and the same thing for the evening, you know, using um, those type of um, meditative states, whether it's induced by binaural beats, you know, audio, um, or it's produced by, um, you know, meditative states. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can induce different types of brainwave states. Um, one of the best ways I would say is just connecting with the physical body. Your body, your physical body is always present. Your mind is what chooses to focus on either going into the future or focusing on going into the past. But we all know the present moment is actually the only thing that is actually real. So the more we can connect our physical minds with our physical body, the more that we stay present. And then the more that we stay present, the more that we can access better healing states and access these different, different phases and um, different frequencies. Awesome, man. Yeah, I love what you said there in terms of that because – now that I see it, actually, like, you know, the flow state is right between the conscious and the subconscious mind, you know, that's the theta bridge. And so, like, if we get ourselves into the zone, we are able to really have that blank slate, right? We're, we become like a canvas in that moment. And whatever we choose to fill our minds with, that's what is going to... Uh, generate that potential so yeah you're exactly right brother and one of the 
one of the practices that I've been studying pretty recently is Ho'oponopono Ono. Um, I might be pronouncing that wrong, but it's an ancient Hawaiian practice um, of uh, basically there's a lot, there's three different real stages within it. I'm actually um, learning a lot more about it recently, but it's actually the process of releasing memories and releasing things within the subconscious through forgiveness, through thankfulness, through appreciation. Um, and uh, the beautiful part about it is that, like you're saying, when you release these things, you're, you're giving yourself permission consciously to release them from your subconscious. And when you do so, you create this blank slate like you're talking about. And then we are, again, just a newborn baby of, you know, God in this universe, you know, for to be completely open to, you know, new information. You know, we're not carrying that baggage of, uh, you know, trauma or emotions, you know, through with us any longer. So that's actually something I'm tapping into a little bit um, more, but I'm glad that you mentioned that. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Uh, no, 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 I, believe. I think it's ho, opono, pono, ono, but I could be pronouncing it wrong as well. So, right. So, yeah, I, I think I've heard that it's about repeating these words, right? That are, you know, mm-hmm. thank you, I'm sorry. And you're totally right. We have memories of those words, right? Telling those words to people. And we have this memory bank kind of stored of all this trauma or like healing and forgiveness all in those words. So that's very on point. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing the power of that practice right now. That's super powerful. Yeah. It's huge brother. And it's just about, and that's the beautiful part about, you know, flow state is that there's so many different ways to get yourself into a flow state. And uh, there's so many different modalities and practices. And it's, and it's clear that like, almost every culture has different ways of doing so. And I, what I, my real goal and my real intention is, you know, how proficient can I become in all these different types of practices? So then that way, you know, when someone comes to me, it's not about let's figure out what this, let's use this one specific way to do it, but let's explore all the different types of modalities and different types of paths for you to, you know, heal yourself in the best way that clicks with you, you know, and I think that's, that's the most beautiful part. And that's actually one of the parts of um, Ho'oponopono Ono is, uh, I forgot the exact, I think is, I'm gonna have to look up, I'm forgetting the, the guy's name, but the, one of the ancient Crete um, teachers and one of the most uh, profound teachers that used to teach at, I think, Hawaii's um, psychiatric ward. I think this was back in the 80s or 70s. It might be a little bit, might have been a little bit later than that. Um, but he basically was saying that, you know, the one of the best ways to heal all everyone else is to heal through yourself and through healing through yourself. Um, people, he was able to access better healing and energy for all the other people. And uh, he was a very profound, you know, teacher and healer within um, that practice and learning a lot more about that. Uh, so I don't have all the specifics on it, but I wanted to touch on that because it's a beautiful, beautiful practice. The more that I'm looking into it and learning about it. Yeah, that's so powerful and so true. You know, we are like these radio transmitters, right? These frequencies mm-hmm. that we're holding. And we're just carrying it out. And as we heal ourselves, we give other people permission to heal. Exactly. Exactly, man. And like I was saying, you know, there's so many different modalities that we can really tap into. And uh, kind of going back to some of the best ways to induce yourself into these flow states. And one of the one of the practices, um, which is pretty common, is called anchoring. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of that before. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Um, for anyone that doesn't really necessarily know what anchoring is, um, anchoring is really just a process of using different sensory outputs. So as we know, we have like our five different senses, right? We have our sight, we have our hearing, we have our sense of smell, we sense our taste and our sense of feeling, right? When we use these five sensory outputs to anchor in specific emotions, when we do feel them, and this anchoring it actually has been done subconsciously over time for a really long time within our lives since we were children, right? We all have different smells, right? Then you walk into an old, you know, old or, or your family's home or you smell a specific smell or food or something like, oh man, that brings back this memory, right? That is anchoring to a specific experience, a specific memory in time based on that smell. But in, in a, you know, and then it cultivates a, a different type of emotion based on that memory. So same things with music and songs, right? Everyone has those type of things and maybe different pictures, you know, hanging up on your walls of family and friends, et cetera. So what we can do is not just let our subconscious run our lives and, you know, anchor things wildly without our control, but we can choose to actively anchor things into our life. So if there's ways that you can use your five sensory outputs, you know, visually, uh, audibly, um, feeling, uh, you know, sense of taste, sense of smell. Um, those are great ways to really program yourself on a daily basis to feeling the best way that you want to feel. So like, for example, myself, um, I use a lot of, I use a specific type of incense called Copal. It's actually um, pretty huge in on Latin America. Um, it's a different type of incense. And that for me cultivates an amazing type of just uh, that smell cultivates just a, an amazing feeling of joy within me, just excitement love, appreciation, um, based on my past experiences in my time in Latin America. Um, and, uh, you know, there's different types of binaural beats. There's different types of specific songs I listen to in the morning. Um, you know, I do a lot of different types of eye gazing in the morning, right? When the sun is coming up, there's a lot of different things that you can incorporate all these different sensory outputs. You anchor yourself into these specific primary emotions, what I like to call them on a daily basis. You're setting yourself up to feel, feel your absolute best on a daily basis. Practices like breath work, you know, connecting your physical body to your mental, to your spirit, um, you know, doing different types of meditations. Um, there's all different, you know, you can do a workout, physical workouts, yoga, anything that, again, that is connecting your physical body, right? And getting you staying in the present, not in getting, getting your mind out of the past, what has happened or what you think will happen will get you into that present state, which allows you to then have the control, have the access to access these different types of frequencies and brain states that provide and cultivate the healing that we're talking about. Mm, yeah. And being aware of like the different cues that you have in your mind, like you could have maybe a past trauma, you know, like a siren that sets off a bad anchor or bad memory in your mind. Right. But so to be able to use that tool to reprogram that and really reframing that, right. Reframing another tool in NLP, like, yeah, so important. Like, I love what you said about the incense. I think the olfactory senses are like one of the quickest ways yeah. to believe. Sure into uh our emotions so yeah personal memories like tapping into your personal memories for your healing i love that man like your time in uh in south america you said latin america right latin america yeah yeah central america central america and like using that experience for your own healing you know to get you to feel at a good state in your own flow like that's awesome i i use essential oils as well like that's mm. I got one of those 
boom boom like inhalant sprays i think um, oh yeah i know what you're talking about no, those are great <laughs> awesome and yeah there's so many ways to tap into that state and yeah talk to me a little bit about breath work because i've been fascinated with breath work i practice breath work a lot of times i feel that maybe i should make it more regular for me because every time i go through like a breakthrough sure. and a process of release and yeah, my favorite is actually the Dr. Joe Dispenza breath work of, you know, clenching the intrinsic muscles and pineal gland activation. Oh man, that one is incredible. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Um, well, so yeah, so that's the, would you say that's the type of breath work that you do the most of mine? Yeah, that's the most common one. Yeah. Um, okay. I do like, um, some variants like, you know, fire breath and it depends on what I'm looking for, you know, in the moment. Sure want to energize sure. relax yeah sure well before i tap into that i wanted to mention because you mentioned breath um a lot of people actually struggle really sometimes with getting up in the morning and uh one of the easiest tips and tricks i would love to share with everyone is a simple change in breath when you're laying there really having a tough time getting up um, because when you're laying there and you're in your, your theta wave state, you're barely just woken up, your alarms maybe gone off. You're like, the last thing I want to do is wake up right now. It's because your subconscious is telling you, no, you need, you want more sleep. This is more comfortable. You should stay in the comfortability, right? Um, one of the easiest things you can do is actually changing your breathing pattern. When you change your breathing pattern, just simply laying there, you're actually going to change your, your brainwave state, your frequencies from being theta more into the alpha wave state and almost closely into the beta wave state. So one of the best things you can do is just, I'd like to say is ten, take 10 big, big deep belly breaths. And when you take these 10 big deep belly breaths, you're, what you're doing again is you're waking up the mind, you're getting more oxygen to the brain, um, more oxygen to the body, you're getting it more awake, and it's without having to get yourself up physically to actually start moving around. And that will actually encourage your brain, encourage your body, encourage your subconscious to be like, okay, it is time to actually wake up. So just wanted to share that tip, tip before I uh, um, kind of dove into a little bit more about breath work because I found that one to be very profound. And a lot of my clients, um, you know, swear by it as well too. Um, but as far as breath work goes, um, the main type of breath work that I like to do on a daily basis is holotropic breathing. And uh, holotropic um, breath work um, has been around for a while now. Um, but the kind of the baseline of holotropic breathing is in, to induce hyperventilation a little bit. Um, I actually have my own little bit of a version of doing holotropic breath work where I have it in different stages. Um, so I have one stage where you focus more on the breath being within the belly. And then the next stage is having more of the breath being the chest. And then we have more of the breath being the belly and then chest. So it's a two-part breath, then an exhale. And then one of the last stages is um, doing what I call ceiling breathing, which is kind of, you know, pushing your threshold as far as how long can you be holding your breath and with an exhale and inhale. And uh, by doing so, you do receive somewhat of which like a natural high. Um, it's really amazing to teach this type of breath work because there, you have so many different people that come in. And if you do it in a group setting versus a one-on-one -on -one setting, um, it's, it's very different. However, you have people that, you know, find it and feel like they've been the highest they've ever been. I've worked with people that have had addictions in the past and have 
done these type of breath works and they're like, I've never been so high in my whole entire life, you know, and this is a natural high. And that's like one of the most beautiful and profound things for me um, is to hear people say those type of things at the end of the day and find how dramatically it has changed their life and uh, help them, you know, find a new path of healing. But uh, yeah, I would say holotropic breath work would be probably the most profound type of breath work that I teach. Um, it is somewhat similar to the pineal gland type of breath work, whereas um, Dr. Joe Dispenza just kind of does his in stages where he's kind of working, you know, the pressurized um, breath up the spine, up until, you know, the mechanical pressure within, within the brain on those, you know, those crystals within the pineal gland. Um, but mine, I would like to say is more of, it's a, it's a longer term, I would say, you know, minimal, um, I try to do it, you know, get everyone to do it around for 30 minutes, but, um, you know, the, you know, if you do it for a long time, getting up around two hours is also a really, really great practice. Sometimes not everyone has the time for that. However, when you get past like the 45 to an hour threshold is when you really start noticing the dramatic differences, um, the dramatic differences within your body as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as far as I know, there's a lot of different healing benefits for breath work, specifically like trauma release. Um, mm -hmm. So for people who are experiencing some level of that, would holotropic breath work be beneficial for that or would they look into some something else for sure so holotropic breath work is incredible for trauma it's incredible for stress daily stress um chronic stress acute stress um it's it's amazing in all different facets i i would say that when i've taught breath work i've had people in the past you know um and i warn people before doing it i and you know before i anyone goes out and just tries this holotropic breath work you could always reach out to me um connect with me i'd love to kind of you know give you um a guide and a video and uh, some information as far as how i do it and uh because you want to check with your doctor first because you are inducing hypoventilation um, most of the time it's pretty safe for most people unless you're pregnant or you have some underlying condition um, but for the most part, holotropic breath work is a way to connect the physical body again with the mind and the subconscious brain is where all of your trauma is typically stored. And then a lot of times that subconscious trauma that's in memories that are stored in your brain is now then stored also physically within the body, you know, transcends into the body. Um, so when you're able to connect both of those, that's when you're able to release a lot of the trauma. A lot of the times that's stored in the hips, stolen, stored in the, you know, the shoulders and the neck, um, the belly, right. And, uh, when you're able to, you know, access, right. These different types of brainwave states, when you're doing, um, holotropic breath work, you're going through these different levels of brainwave states. Um, some people, when you get to a certain point, you get into a gamma wave brain state, um, which is one of the craziest and higher levels to really get into. But if you can induce it through breath work and uh, it can provide you the most release and different type of healing. So uh, yes, holotropic breathing is incredible. Um, I've had people that, you know, have, that wail and cry and, you know, almost scream during their, their, during it. And it's just like, like, continue, let it go, let it happen. Just let it flow. You know, you've, I almost like to use the, the analogy of uh, a water hose, right? If you turn on a hose that hasn't been on for a really long time, you turn on that hose the water that comes out at first is probably warm. It's gross. It might have a little brown tint to it, right? And it might feel really taste gross, or if you're trying to drink from it, taste gross. You might not want to drink that right away. But the whole point is that once you start opening up the floodgates, once you start opening up, yes, the initial feeling be very uncomfortable. Once you but you once you start that 
that release process and you letting it come flowing out, then that's when you start getting a little more comfortable with it. That's when you can actually, you know, enjoy, understand, okay, this is uncomfortable, but it's going to give me the healing on the other side once it's over with. And you're going to feel the benefits at the end of the day. Totally, man. That's awesome. I'm a real nerd for words, man. And, you know, holotropic, it means, you know, hollow meaning whole and tropic is toward, towards, so it's towards wholeness, right? So I yeah, love it's beautiful. It's such an amazing you know, word to call it because, yeah, that's what you're doing. You're, you're going towards wholeness. Wow. And what would you say is some of like the aftercare or integration that people uh, need to take after doing an intense, you know, breathwork release or trauma release mm-hmm. practice? So the way I like to teach it is, like I said, I teach it in stages. So it's pretty intense um, for the first like 30, 40 minutes, depending on how long the session is. But then I like to transition into, like I said, a ceiling type breathing stage where um, it's more of like a long breath hold and exhale hold. And at the end, that's when um, I what I'll do is I typically go into or I'll transition people into um, some sort of guided meditation um, so they can relax or you can transition into a different type of breath work, which I call four by four breathing. Um, it's essentially breathing in for four seconds, holding that breath in for four seconds, releasing that breath for four seconds and holding at the bottom for four seconds before you start that cycle again. So it's kind of a nice little down regulate style of breathing post holotropic breathing. Um, however, your body will probably be feeling pretty high. Um, a lot of people have tingling sensations all over their body. Um, people, you know, have like convulsions almost in a sense, they shake. Um, but that's your body trying to downregulate. It's your body trying to, you know, come back to its homeostasis because we don't have very good ways of resetting our nervous systems. Our, our bodies store all that physically within ourselves. And one of the best ways I could explain this too here, Sumed, is think about animals. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever watched Discovery Channel. But uh, for anyone that's here that's uh, watched Discovery Channel, you know, you watch like a, let's say a lion that chases a gazelle and let's say the gazelle somehow eventually gets away. And a lot of the times after that, that chase is done, the gazelle will shake and tremor after a while. And what that is actually, what's, what's happening there is that the, the gazelle is actually releasing the anxiety, the stress, the trauma from that situation immediately after it's over. It's its way of bringing itself into this high stress beta wave state and then bringing itself back down to its homeostasis to be in its, you know, present state, not having to worry about this, you know, situation again until it's actually time to worry about it again. And the unfortunate part about for humans and the way our society works is that we get ourselves up into these stressed high level states and then we have no way to bring ourselves back down to homeostasis. So we just stay up here and that compounds and it builds and then people have blowouts, right? Or they, you know, they have, um, you know, all different types of episodes of uh, panic, you know, panic attacks and all different types of things like that. And then it manifests potentially like Joe Dispenza talks about um, into different autoimmune disorders and different things like that. If you don't, if it becomes chronic. So um, it's interesting that if you even watch dogs, dogs are one of the best ways, you know, you watch, you know, a dog that, um, you know, wakes up from a long nap or does something they like to shake, right? When they shake and they shake off, that's them resetting their nervous system. Right. So they're kind of getting back to my head. Yeah, I was just saying, like, when dogs are in the rain, they, they shake off the water. It's like kind of like, yeah. 
Yeah, it's just a resetting of the nervous system. So, you know, the natural animal kingdom in this universe and God and this planet has ways for us to do so. You know, every once in a while, you'll have a temperature change and you'll, you know, get a little shake yourself, right? Like, you know, to kind of acclimate yourself to that new temperature change, that new feeling, right? Um, But what I would like to say is after a holotropic breath work, um, you know, I, I like to spend a lot of time just, you know, laying there and, you know, doing slow, you know, slow breathing. Um, but one of the other practices that I um, also teach, um, what I've actually learned through who my Reiki master, shout out to Drake Unruh, uh, he actually had taught me a practice um, through TRE, TRE, Trauma Release Exercises. And there's, it's a different type of practice that in, involves different types of tremoring exercises. And uh, these different types of tremoring exercises um, are typically done through um, having tremors within the hips and inducing tremors within the hips, within the belly, the legs, the shoulders, the chest. Um, and what this does is allow you to tap in, lower yourself down from the beta wave, get yourself into that theta alpha wave states, right? Allow your subconscious mind to now be lit up, open, for then now your subconscious mind can start releasing and releasing the grip of all those traumas, those, that stress that's been stored. But for you to try to release this trauma and the stress and this anxiety while in a beta wave state is almost impossible. So it's like, how can you get yourself down into those states, right? Well, we have different ways to connect to the physical body, breath work, these type of things, right? And they can start the process. But one of the better ways, again, is using the physical body to um, continue to release this. And I think tremor, um, tremoring, um, you know, through the hips, um, you guys can, if anyone wants to look it up, TRE, there's a lot of trauma release exercises that you can do. Um, and these were actually founded, I think, a long time ago um, within African um, colonies and uh, communities. And the reason was um, with a lot of the genocide and a lot of the, um, the killing and the deaths that were going on within these, within these colonies, like we were in Rwanda and the Hutsis and the Tutsis and um, these type of things, there's mass genocide and there's mass trauma um, that we couldn't even really understand to feel and explain um, that these people were dealing with. The shamans would come in and they would teach this type of tremoring, this release exercise based on what they saw within nature. And they know how nature does this so we can reciprocate the same way. And this did, and this did massive, um, massive, massive work for these communities to allow these people to physically release the trauma. Because um, you can emotionally talk about things for a long time, but you know, there's things that end up being stored within your body and you need a way to be able to have to release these. So breath work, TRE exercises, yoga, fitness, meditation, there's these different types of ways or our pathways or avenues, um, you know, to release this type of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, for the few people who've been on the podcast talking about this kind of somatic work, you know, they've really stated that there's so much tension that gets stored in the, in the fascia, in the, in the very gooey type mm. of watery muscles that we have, the flow, right? The flow. Yeah, so, yeah, if we find a way to release that through a safe means, through a way where you have a practitioner with you and you feel safe to actually let go, uh, a lot of people don't feel safe to do that without proper guidance, right? They feel like they need a sense of permission to be able to do that. But anybody can learn this. That's what's so you know, magical about this. It's, it's so powerful, man. Um, I have heard a lot of people say, you know, breath work or breath, let's say the breath in general for different like metaphors. I've heard like, you know, it's like Google Translate for the body. I've heard... You know, I've heard that it's like an instrument. 
Um, what is a personal metaphor for you that you feel like, or an analogy that breath is to the human body? Mm-hmm. I think breath is the gateway. It's the key. It's your permission slip to everything that you'll ever want. I think breath is something that I almost consider to be my safe space because no matter what, as long as you're existing in this three-dimensional plane, our consciousness is in this flesh vehicle, which we call the body. Breath is what's always going to be the key in the doorway for us to access healing, safety, any form of, you know, peace and joy within ourselves as much as we can. And so for me, I think breath is something that will always be there for you, no matter what, no matter how bad things get within your life, no matter how traumatic, stressful, anxious, breath can always bring you back into your present current state. And I think that is the most beautiful thing. And then I, and one of the phrases I like to use a lot of the time is, um, you know, we need to be reminded more than we're taught. And uh, because a lot of this stuff, you know, for your listeners out here, they, they probably know a lot of these things, but how often are you doing them exactly when you need to be doing them? So it's not necessarily always about remember, you know, learning new information, but it's about how applicable are you, you know, in these situations to the information that you already have, right, about breath. So for breath, for me, man, is it's just a constant, you know, reminder of like, how can I continue to stay present? And, you know, if my mind starts wandering off about what could happen, what's going to happen, or what has happened, then it's just like, take that breath, settle back into the present, into the now, the only thing that is existing, right? And that's where you're finding your peace, your joy, your healing, getting yourself back into controlled states, allowing that ego to release its grip. And, uh, you know, be exactly who you're designed to be, the divine. Mm, powerful, man. Yeah, I love those long, deep breaths, man. It just does something for the energy. It's, it's just very grounding, right? It's like it's super grounding to be able to tap into those really, really long breaths. I think turtles, you know, they, they breathe super slow as well. <laughs> they do, man. They do. You mentioned something about uh, things being stored in the muscle fascia. I wanted to ask you, Samad, do you ever have you ever gotten massages? I know uh, you yeah. spent some time in like Thailand, right? So, um, yeah, do you ever get massages? And if I and I ask, when you got massages, did you ever have like, or maybe even doing yoga or any other physical work that's kind of intense? Do you ever have like memories that pop up here and there, like during that process, like memories from a long time ago, random memories? totally man yeah yeah i think it's super yeah it's super interesting because it's kind of proof that the our memories and our experiences are all stored within the physical body and the more that we push through the muscle fascia the more that we you know get things in flow and you know turn that water hose on and get the you know the body flowing whether it's massage right whether it's breath work you know whether it's yoga you know whatever physical modality running people get on runner's highs and you know start thinking about crazy stuff as well too that's where you know you're really able to start tapping into and start processing things that you're normally not able to process you're removing all the distractions when you're so tapped into your physical present self you can't allow any other distractions around you to flood your mind. And when you're so present, that's when you actually have that floodgate open. And now you can start processing everything that's been swept under the rug for so long because everyone is so distracted with the three-dimensional world and everything else around us. So 
Um, I wanted to use that example because I think a lot of the times when I, I get a lot of body work done um, just because I am a, kind of a health freak in the sense that I work on my, try to take care of myself at a very high level. Um, but I noticed that I get a lot of those, those memories and things that just pop up randomly. Like, huh, isn't that interesting? I'm thinking about that right now. Right. Yeah, man. And it's important as facilitators to do that inner work yourself. Otherwise, you know, you're holding a lot of space for a lot of people, man. And it does get very heavy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. man. Um, I'm very interested in this fitness journey that you started. What got you interested in that? And if you could speak a little bit about what's the biggest pattern that you notice with a lot of your recurring clients and, and people who, who come to you for, for fitness advice. Um, what I'll, what I'll say, man, is that within fitness, uh, I think it's just one facet or I'd like to say one layer within healing. Um, I think people want to be fit for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, aesthetically people want to be fit. People want to be fit for, you know, physiological reasons of being healthy. Um, and then people want to be fit to, again, other reasons like, you know, being a level of presence and being a level of healing, emotional healing, and it could be a combination of a lot of them. But I think for me, the reason why initially I got into fitness was because at a very young age, um, I got into personal development, got into network marketing, um, in my you know late teens, and uh, it kind of really opened up the door to understand there's a lot more to life than going and getting the nine to five job, going to college, doing that type of thing. It's about like you know making your dent, your impact on this world, and you know I think working for someone else's dreams isn't always a bad start, and it's not a bad place where you, if you need to be, if you're in that position, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But ultimately, I think it's really important to be able to give back in your own way. And I, and I, I just had a very high inclination to working with the physical body. I was active. I was in sports. I was athletic the majority of my life. Um, shout out to my father being a physical education teacher for my, his whole existence. Um, so I uh, learned a lot as far as, you know, being able to be in tune with my body and being physically active. And I think that I found so much joy and peace and confidence within myself um, being able to do so that I wanted to be able to help others get to that point. And in doing so, I really just realized that there's a lot of different layers of reasons why people want to be physically fit um, and understanding, you know, again, the reasons why subconsciously they're trying to get fit, you know, is it, you know, aesthetically and is that aesthetic reason because of their ego. And if it's because of their ego, then maybe we need to start diving a little bit deeper, deeper other than just fitness, because at the end of the day, if you're already fit, but you're just trying to get more fit, is it more, is it more beneficial to continue to just, you know, blow out your workouts and, you know, be absolutely shredded out of your mind, but then emotionally you're just, you know, ripped apart. Right. So I think no fun into me, <laughs> right. And uh, so I think it's just about, you know, fitness is a doorway and I think it's a doorway to healing. It's a doorway to healing the physical body, having that mind body physical connection. And then from there, um, you know, understanding what other aspects, what other, you know, pathways in your life, that uh, would be beneficial for you to start tapping into to heal other issues you know it's like sometimes it's like the onion analogy that everyone uses you peel back a layer and then you're like okay i'm gonna heal this layer and then you're, then you're like oh shit there's another layer i gotta i gotta peel back and you realize oh i'm just gonna be peeling layers back the rest of my life and well you know essentially that's our work man you know we have everyone has layers you know you yourself myself we all are working through on a daily basis and um, you know, everyone's at different stages, but the different, you know, the thing is, is that 
we're all going through layers. And as much as we might like to think we're all so different all the time, um, yes, I mean, a lot of us have different traumatic experiences, different things that happen within our lives. And that makes us sometimes feel like we're not as relatable to each other because it's like, you know, you're across the opposite side of the world for me, Samed, but you know, and we've had different experiences. We're probably different ages. And, uh, we might think that we might are different in certain ways, but the, the crazy part about it is that no matter how different the situations, the traumas, the experience that everyone has in their life, we all feel, feel almost the exact same emotions. Like when someone's depressed about one thing and someone else is depressed about another thing, you guys are feeling and almost everyone's feeling the same type of emotion. However, even though the experiences are different, my point is, is we're all so connected, so much more connected. We're so much more alike than anyone else could ever experience. Um, and I think that, you know, finding ways to create and build your awareness behind that creates a level of oneness, creates a level of love, creates a level of gratitude um, that, you know, everyone can start really bringing into their existence on a daily basis. And, you know, the more that you're aware of it, the more you're able to spread it. And uh, I think that's a very powerful thing. And that's really the, the baseline of why I got into fitness and um, is to, you know, hey, I want to have, have a doorway for someone to step into that is more common than others. And then after that, you step into that doorway, we get those things going. We can start paying attention to other avenues and other, you know, side doors that can get you to the higher level of yourself as well. Absolutely, brother. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting because this 3D avatar that we have, you know, it's just, it is important to look in the mirror and feel good. You know, there's something about mm -hmm. that self-love and that mirror work that's, that's so powerful, you know, to be able to mm -hmm. see, see yourself evolve and you're seeing actual physical changes in yourself. Mm -hmm. You're looking in the mirror. So yeah, <laughs> India's got like some music in the background always, man. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh no, it's good, brother. But you're so you're so right. Um, you know, and I think, you know, a fit, you know, a fit body, you know, someone that you know, if you have a really good, you know, aesthetically aesthetic look, right? You take care of yourself, you're in shape, that's something that also can't be bought. Um, unlike a lot of things out there, you know, you can't buy a peace of mind, right? And you can't buy, you know, a physically fit, healthy body, right? Or just a healthy body in general, right? Those are things that you that, that take dedication, they take, you know, um, um, you know, uh, a lot of work, you know, a lot of effort, consistency, right? And uh, I think that's, that's the other thing that um, is so I think maybe that's another reason why they're so well, um, wanted and desired is because you can't really buy them i mean yeah there's plastic surgery and stuff you can get but like there's nothing like about having a physically fit body that is derived from you know dedication and hard work and i think that is another piece of your reflection of like your physical body is a reflection of your dedication you know the your habits and who you are and uh how you value you know the vehicle that you're in your consciousness your consciousness is in until you know uh, your consciousness goes, you know, other dimensions and other places. Totally. And it's so helpful for the self-esteem to know that you deserved that, you know, the hours that mm -hmm. you, you got the results back. Like that's, that's something that you can't get through plastic surgery, I think. Um, yeah. It's just it so hits different. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It hits different, man. Yeah. Man, so I'm really curious about your energy work and your uh, Reiki. Um, what are some ways in which you use that as a tool um, with your practice? 
For sure, man. Uh, so as far as Reiki goes, um, Reiki is a very special practice. And to clear up some of the maybe misconceptions that some people have, um, Reiki is actually done uh, and it's actually been a practice based on ancient Japanese culture. And uh, it's, it's really special because you, you're able to use yourself as myself as a guide um, as yes, I, I guess I induce a level of healing, but what I like to kind of really, how do I really like to explain it is that I'm more a vessel. I'm more via, I'm more of a vehicle for someone to access their own healing, right? I am more of a direct plug right into, you know, the fifth dimensional world. Um, so then that way you can access different parts of healing that you wouldn't be able to do on your own. And, uh, or it's not that you wouldn't be able to do them in your own. You're just not in the phase in your life to be able to do them for yourself. Right. So I think the really cool part of Reiki is, um, you know, there's a lot of intention behind it. There's a lot of, um, cool different symbols and different things that we use, um, to, you know, provide physical healing, um, emotional healing. There's, um, um, transcendental healing, um, where you can heal people through, you know, time and space, you know, doesn't matter if they're close to you or thousands of miles away. Um, and doesn't matter if it's now or in the future. Um, you can, there's different symbols and different things that we use to heal others, um, based on just providing ourselves as a, you know, as a vessel, as a vehicle for them to access their own healing. Um, so a lot of times people like to think that, you know, Reiki is some like, I'm predicting or I'm a psychic or of what will happen or what I see. And for me, it's not me. It's not me stepping into, uh, you know, something and taking someone through a Reiki session and being like, so I realized and I noticed that, you know, this is going on within your life and you have this blockage over here and, you know, I'm opening up and it's, it's not really about that. It's about, you know, I'm not here to, I'm not a psychic medium <laughs> by any means. I'm not predicting the future. I'm literally just a more of a direct plug-in for you to, use me as a path to access something that I'm more tapped into and I spend more time plugged into at the end of the day. So hopefully that kind of makes sense. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's really a great analogy of being plugged in. Um, as far as I know, I've, I've heard Reiki being referred to as like a benevolent, like a loving energy, right? That you're, you're tapping into this energy. So yeah, that's, that's amazing, man. That, I'm sure that is one of the ways in which you help to guide people towards their best selves. It's just, you know, it's one of the pieces of the puzzle. And I think it's an important piece mm -hmm. because we need our emotional bodies, physical bodies, energetic bodies, you know, all the bodies working together, you know, for yeah, sure. most, def def most definitely, man. I, it's interesting because, you know, we spend most of our time, you know, in the three dimensional plane. And what I mean by that is we're in the three-dimensional world. We're within the physical world. You know, we, uh, we talk about, when we talk about our body, right, we don't say I. We say my body. Like if I'm talking about my arm, my arm, right, or my nose, right, my leg, right. But when we're talking about our consciousness, our identity, our awareness, who we are, that's when we say I. So there's a clear separation that we have between our physical body and our consciousness, our awareness. And we differentiate that on our own automatically. So it's clear that there, there are two separate things that are going on here, right? And the difference is the three-dimensional body can only live in the three-dimensional plane. But then we have our consciousness, our awareness, and that's not only stuck to be in this three-dimensional plane. 
that awareness, that consciousness is able to transition between floating through the vehicle, which is our three-dimensional flesh body, and then also can float and transition through the fifth dimension, right? Which is the non-physical, right? It's the energetic field, right? You can call it the quantum field. People call it the quantum field, fifth dimension, same, same thing. And in the fifth dimension, that's where Reiki, it really stems from. That's where it really comes from. You're allowing things that can't transpire that can't you know come to fruition in the three-dimensional space come to fruition in the three-dimensional space through that fifth dimension you're allowing your consciousness your awareness to access a different level of abundance healing oneness love gratitude right and things can come to fruition and happen and heal 10 times faster almost instantaneously well almost instantaneously in a lot of instances um much more profoundly and potently than you would be able to three dimensional plane. So um, that's kind of the beautiful part of Reiki is that miracles can happen. They really can. And uh, you know, magic happens all the time. And that's where people, I think sometimes, you know, get the idea of that people are psychic mediums and stuff like that. It's like, no, you're just accessing this doorway in this path that you've never really tapped into before. And I'm just the vehicle that's helped you get there. I'm not responsible for it of your own healing. You're responsible for your own healing. I just stepped in and, you know, was that bridge for you to be able to really get there? Um, you know, cause everyone has the, the ability to heal themselves to the highest levels. You know, we see it, people see it, see it happen all the time. There's people that have given Reiki, you know, group Reiki to people that are, uh, you know, that have tumors and then the next day they're gone. And this happens all the time. And these things aren't talked about, which is so insane to me that, you know, um, quantum healing is just, uh, it's such a big thing. And I think now it's finally, it's always been an Eastern, you know, Eastern medicine type thing. And, uh, now you know, knowing that like, there's this big, this massive shift within the whole entire world with the pandemic and everything that is going on. People are more aware of their health, their consciousness. Now people are kind of going back to the roots and noticing like, okay, these, these ancient philosophies and these teachings and these healing practices are way more powerful and they're way more prevalent than they've ever been. Um, and we're kind of getting back to our roots in that sense. And I think that that awareness and this transition is so important. And uh, I can't wait to see where it really goes because uh, I feel like the things that I um, have been tapping into and learning about are kind of now just really, really starting to pick up. So just really happy to be and grateful to be on the forefront of, you know, being able to allow people to get to their highest selves. Yeah, man. Yeah. As I said earlier, man, you're doing incredible work. Um, tell the people a little bit about uh, conscious collective media and what that is and also mm -hmm. where they can find you. For sure, brother. So uh, my Instagram um, is actually Danny, D-A-N-N-Y. And then we have an underscore and then K-I-N-A-S. Um, yeah, first name, last name. Um, and then through there on my profile page, you'll see Conscious Collective. You can pop on there. But essentially, Conscious Collective was formed last year um, as a kind of an umbrella company, um, an umbrella business model to incorporate all different types of healing modalities um, healing practices, incorporating different types of one-on-one -on -one coaching, weekend workshops, um, and eventually here very soon retreats. Um, so one of the things I'll be doing very soon is actually teaching um, a bi-weekly um, um, event, which will be kind of like a, a daily workshop. It'll be in Los Angeles here. Um, you guys can stay tuned to my page to get more information on it, but we'll be doing different types of modalities as far as like breath work, meditation, sound healing, 
um, different types of primal beats and uh, dancing and rituals. And it's really cool. It's a really awesome mindful event, yoga. Um, there might be some physical workouts here and there, but nothing too crazy. They have uh, different types of uh, tubs to do, you know, Wim Hof breathing, ice baths, things like that. Looking into doing different types of smoke lodges like Tesmascals and things like that. Um, just a lot of different modalities and practices that get you in the present, get you into your physical body and get you just finding maybe that one of those things really hits home with you and really makes a massive difference. That's the, that's the goal at the end of the day. Um, so conscious collective is starting to become this umbrella behind coaching workshops, retreats and a lot and creating a community, cultivating a conscious collective community of people, um, that are, you know, into bettering each other, supporting each other, loving each other, being there for each other and uh you know promoting that and bringing awareness to it so that you know we can provide healing and love and appreciation for everyone else around us you know and we indirectly just allow that to spread you know let that spread stronger and more potently than any pandemic that ever could mm, that's powerful brother that's an incredible thing that you're doing and holding space for that and bringing that together uh being the king of your kingdom and doing what needs to be done sure. i respect that <laughs> yeah. And uh, one final question that I want to leave you with, which is a very important question, which is, if I gave you a universal megaphone that you could yell into and the entire universe could hear your message, what would that message be? I think my message right now, I think my message would change and does change based on times based on where we're at where we're at here but i would say right now my my universal message would be do not identify with your emotions and do not identify with your experiences identify with the essence of the divinity of who you are the god that is within you the god that is outside of you the god is that is everything we are not our emotions we are not our thoughts we are not our experiences. Mm, and that's what hits different, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's different, brother. <laughs> Much love. Be with you. Yes, yes, sir, brother. If you enjoyed this Flow Awakening episode, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow at Flowzone Academy on Instagram. That's at F-L-O-Z-O-N-E-A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. May the flow be with you and stay legendary. Until next time, Flomies.